welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Turn with me to Psalm 85. And so... I think we need to talk about something that is the devil's worst nightmare and pray along those lines tonight that this something rises and increases and overtakes. You know what that is? Revival. Satan's worst nightmare. That the church is actually going to pull out all stops, go all out for God. As I was talking to Carla before service tonight, I said, Carla, I said, and I believe I said it by the revelation, the spirit of prophecy. I said, Carla, if believers could see one one thousandth of the rewards that are waiting for them, if they'll live their life 100% on fire for God, pull out all stops, go all the way, they would drop everything this very second and get on with it. If, if you could see the rewards that are waiting for people who go all the way. I mean, do things that your Christian friends think you're crazy for doing. You don't have to do all that. No, but I want to. You don't have to be that sold out. Well, I want to. And you know, if if we're sold out to God, 100% sold out to God, without without a trip to heaven or a trip to hell, Jesus said there's a greater blessing when you're sold out, when you don't see the rewards clearly. You don't don't feel what it's going to be like in the next life. Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen me yet believe. There's a greater blessing reserved for people who are on fire for God, who don't need a trip to heaven or a vision of Jesus or a vision of angels. They're just doing it because they believe the scriptures. And the Bible says there's an amazing, great reward for people who just get on the ball because they believe scriptures. Um, What the world needs now is the church revived. That's what the world needs. More than the right president, more than the right government. The greatest thing the world needs right now is a church that is on fire for God. Prophets operating in prophets' ministries. Apostles operating in apostolic ministries. Pastors operating in full, mature pastoral ministry. Not afraid to speak things that might decrease the congregation size for a little moment. Huh? It's called Gideon's Revival. They went from 20,000 to 300. (laughs) And they won a great victory and made the Bible. Sometimes that happens in local churches. I know the pressure. I know, I know what pastors go through. I've been doing this for 34 years. You don't want anybody to leave. But if the Lord tells you to teach something and people leave because of it, um, you can still have great peace knowing that God will still take care of you. You know, it's so interesting to me that you don't have to have a large church to have everything paid off. You don't have to have a large church to have the best of everything. You just need to obey the Lord. And there's some benefits to that, too, because you don't have the potential headaches of 10,000 10, people, but you've got the increase of 20,000 people. <laughs> it's amazing how the Lord does that. 
So turn with me to Psalm 85, and we're going to talk about revival of Satan's worst nightmare, and we're going to talk about how, what we're going to pray about tonight to hopefully help make that happen. Do you, do you realize this, church, that great things are going to happen in this world around us only after great things happen in our hearts? You all following me here? Great things are going to happen in this crazy world around us only after great things happen in the inside of each one of us individually. So in Psalm 85, I looked up the word revival. It's found about seven times in the Bible, in the King James Version. And let's just read this whole psalm. I believe it's a song of... um, Asaph, I believe it is. Let's see here. Psalm 85, Song of the Sons of Korah. Let's read in verse 1. Lord, you have been favorable unto your land. And we've been praying that God would heal our land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. That's called a major blessing. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned yourself from the fierceness of your anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause your anger toward us to cease. See, it's like people want everything out here turned around, but are you willing to turn around? Turn us, O God. Lord, we want this to turn into better, better days. We want this to turn into a better economy. We want this to turn into a better... Are you willing to turn? Because he said, turn us, O God. And then he said in verse 5, will you be angry with us forever? Will you draw out your anger unto all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? So right here we see the psalmist is saying, Lord, will you revive us again? I believe the Lord will do things in our heart when we really want him to do things in our heart. You know, the greatest, most powerful group of people on this planet is us. Born again, spirit-filled Christians. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Right? We have power. You know, I said a while back that we're about to have to use our faith. It's been cool trying to use it, practicing here and there, getting a pair of socks, maybe getting a car, getting over a cold, you know, get over some flu systems, flu symptoms. We're about to have to use our faith. I was just barely listening to a little bit of Joseph Morris today as Carla was listening to Joseph Morris in the end of day's update. Sound like some really interesting things are happening in Israel and some very interesting things are happening in the sky and some interesting things are happening from the sky to the earth. And um, it's, it's interesting what's going on right now. I, but you know, none of this, none of whatever's happening out there should make us afraid. Because we have made the Lord, which is our refuge, even the most high, our habitation. This is something we do. We have made the Lord our habitation. It's not in and out, you know, in Christianity on Sunday, out do my own thing on Monday. 
No, we've made the Lord our habitation. Why? Because arrows fly on Tuesday. <laughs> Not just Sundays. Right? Arrows fly on Thursday. But we will not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the epidemic that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Why? Because we have made the Lord, which is our protection, even the Most High, our habitation. Have you done that? Because that's something you do. You have to make the Lord your habitation. Well, if you're living where God's living, there ain't no arrows getting to Him through His walls, Right? You know, a lot of people want the blessings of living with God, but they still want to kind of live in their own world. And that's not how it works. So let's read on here. Will you not revive us again, verse 6, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not Turn again to foolishness. Okay, God, we're crying out. We're believing for revival. Things are going to get really good again. We're going to rejoice in you again. But please, people of God, please, please, please don't turn again to folly when things start getting better again. You know, Israel had a, had a lot of problems with this too. Pe human beings just seem to have a problem. It seems like people are more on fire for God when there's heavy persecution and crazy things happening than when everything's going great. Not everybody, don't get me wrong, not everybody, but it seems like a lot of God's people take the foot off the gas pedal when everything is going great and they start coasting. How many think it'd be a good idea to keep the pedal to the metal no matter how good it gets? Actually, God warned them in Deuteronomy. Isn't it Deuteronomy 8.18? Listen, you're going to have all these goodly houses. You're going to have all these vineyards. You're going to walk into all this prosperity. They're going to kick the enemy out. You're going to have these beautiful mountains, beautiful lands, beautiful rivers, beautiful green pastures. You're going to have all this beautiful stuff. But don't you forget that it is the Lord your God that gave you this power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to our fathers as it is this day. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. It's very important to not forget when things go well. And that's why he said here, Lord, and they said, people of God, don't turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is near unto them that fear him or reverence him, that glory may dwell in our land. Wow, that's what we want right there. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That's a whole sermon right there. That if we want to see the mercy of God, we got to quit being pretending and Saying, oh, well, I didn't know, but you did. Mercy and truth meet together. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord shall give that which is good and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. Now, I want to talk about that one verse about God reviving us. This is an inside thing. This is not an intellectual, emotional thing. It, it, it affects that part of our life. But this is giving God access to every chamber of your insides. We can pray about these things. You know, I was talking to Carla earlier today, just since we were talking again, almost every morning we meet for tea and coffee in our living room. And I can tell when the Lord says, that's it. That's what you need to talk about. That's it. That's what you need to pray and, and study along like. That's it. And I was talking to Carla about how 
nothing's really going to happen until something happens in the Christian's heart. I mean, a few things may try, do change over here and change over there, but nothing will last if it doesn't come from the heart. Whether it be repentance from a certain habit or getting on the ball with certain commitments, nothing really lasts if it's just a mental, intellectual, behavioral change. But when something comes from the heart, I mean, I was asked, talking to Carla, I said, Carla, what would happen? I mean, why aren't some of us waking up in the morning and going, that's it? Until I see my king face to face, I am 100% doing everything I know is his absolute perfect will. I mean, I was thinking just everything from just fellowshipping with God and, and seeking his face and reading scriptures and reading books and, and putting all this other stuff that is going to mean zero five minutes after we're gone on hold or like Paul in the trash can and just go for it all the way, all the way. You think I've been committed to the church? Wait to see me now. We, we were, and you know, you, don't, you, you look at others, but you got to look at yourself in this. I mean, are we where we should be? Could we be on a higher level? Could, do you remember Paul? He said in, in Philippians 3, actually, let's go to Philippians 3, because Paul actually tapped into this and he, he didn't have to, but he chose to. When I say he didn't have to, none of us have to do anything, and the Lord gave us a free will. But Paul got a revelation that changed his whole attitude toward life, toward priorities, toward values. And he gives a personal testimony in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to pray tonight that God's people, that something starts to happen on the inside of us that changes everything. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to say a couple things about demonic opposition to this because this whole world entertainment, feelings, reasonings, um, imaginations. This whole world is geared toward keeping us in a place where we're not on fire for God. This whole world, the devil, all demons are, have been working so subtly because they know if they go too fast, we'd recognize it was demonic. You all realize that if an evil road felt like an evil road, nobody would go down it. All right. And the devil understands that. Then he knows if he turns up the power too quick, it'll actually work against him. He's seen, he has seen God's people come into, come into terrible times in the past. And after that revival and God healed the land and amazing things started happening. So he's being cautious about turning up his evil too quick. He wants to, he'd rather keep people in a stupor so he can keep doing his junk and we're not resisting like we should. You know, it's kind of like that lukewarm state. When you're lukewarm, it's like, yeah, it's bad, but it's not that bad. I mean, yeah, servant, going farther with God, that's good, but I'm okay now. God's like, wake up. I wish you were hot or cold. Amen. That lukewarm state just delays and it gives the enemy more time to work. So in Philippians 3, In verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. 
to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So it's good to go over things even though you know them. Beware of dogs. He's talking about people here that were very detrimental to the church. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and we rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh if any other man thinks he has, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He's talking about all his natural credentials now, which were quite amazing. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I'm blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless, I count all things. Everybody say all things. Good and bad. All things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. In other words, there's some things you just flush. You don't put them on a back burner. You don't put it in the closet. You don't push it aside. To get to the levels that Paul was at and the things that he he strove for, there's some things, even good things, you have to flush down the spiritual toilet. I mean, once it's down the toilet, there's no hope of return. Can I get a witness? And that's what he's saying here. And he's talking about good things, degrees, worldly achievements, things that he thought he was going to live the rest of his life involved with. He said, when it comes to me getting saved, following Jesus and rewards in heaven and and eternal significance, all that stuff right now, it may not be bad, but it is a major distraction. Goodbye. This is one of the things that hasn't been easy for a lot of people to do because of this invisible opposition and making us feel like it's really not that big a deal. The devil knows if we recognize him holding us back from something, we'll recognize that's demonic, that's of the devil, get away, Satan, and you're going to go for it. But if he can just make it look like it's not that big a deal, you know, don't go to the demonic stage, it's just... It's not that big a deal. You're saved. You're a Christian. You're going to go to heaven when you die. Read on here. What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul said, I can't all this stuff lost. I can't all this stuff but dung that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained either already mature, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended, 
But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press, this is what your flesh does not like to do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded, and if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. So really what we're talking about in this chapter is very mature levels of Christianity. Things you don't have to do to be saved. Are you listening? And I do, I do, I know Keith has taught on this a lot. <clears throat> We've hit on it here and there. But I do think there's a major, major significance to focusing on what the Lord said in the word about rewards. The Lord wanted us to have rewards on our mind for a reason. He's not kidding when he says to him that overcomes, will I give power over the nations? We go, oh, that's cool. I, I, yeah, that's, that's cool. Kind of reminds me of uh, the Avengers or something. Power over the nations. Cool. No, it's not a movie. It's real. These things are attainable. The sad thing is many people are not choosing to break free from Satan's crazy, subtle illusions to think that, well, just going to heaven, that's all I want. And that's great, that's wonderful, but there's more. I, I can't see the Lord just redeeming us, giving us a ticket to heaven, and saying, just go ahead and do whatever you want for yourself until you get there, and I'll see you in heaven. Right. Way too much more important work to be done, going on than just kicking back, existing, and going to heaven when we die. We were actually saved for way more than just going to heaven when we die. We were saved to have a specific, powerful, royal part in the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. You know, so, so let me just say a couple things here about this opposition. Satan wants to keep Christians, number one, he wants to keep lost people from being saved, but then he also wants to keep Christians in a zone where it just doesn't feel like that big a deal to be more committed to the Lord. It just doesn't feel like that big a deal to clean up some things in my life that I know are wrong. It just doesn't feel like that big a deal to go crazy wild on fire for God. It just doesn't feel like that big a deal. God still loves me and everything's okay. Well, you're going to heaven, but... I feel like the enemy has succeeded in this far too much. And it's time to stir ourselves up. Look at some of these things and say, God, help me. I'm willing to go. Everything in this world is in direct opposition to being on fire for God. Everything in this world system is in direct opposition to you and I being on fire for God. We need to understand this so we can see the devil's subtle strategies to get us off. When you realize everything in this world is messing with you to try to keep you from being on fire for God, you'll be at the advantage and you'll start seeing things you didn't used to see about these subtleties and you'll start breaking out of some of that junk. I want to pray tonight for people, for Christians, to have the workings of God going on on the inside of them so that not only are they 
entering into a realm of ministry that, you know, they, they've only dreamed about, but that they get rewards after this life is over that they're going to be shouting about for 10,000 years. Feelings, thoughts, sensations, peer pressure, entertainment, etc., is all geared toward making us feel like everything is okay and we don't need to bother with more commitment to God and fulfill our high calling. All right, I want to read that again. These are some things I wrote down just before I came to church because I could tell it was under the unction. Feelings, thoughts, sensations, peer pressure, entertainment, etc. is all geared toward making us feel like everything is okay and we don't need to bother with more commitment to God and fulfill our high calling. Interesting warfare. Interesting warfare. Because we think warfare is, ah, ooh, ow, arrows, flames, bullets, bombs. A lot of times warfare is feeling okay when you should flat out not feel okay with the state of your life. It's kind of like praying for the lost. We've done this many times. Sometimes you have to pray uncomfortable prayers. It's like, Father, we pray for the lost of our city. Help them to see very clearly that they are not okay without you. Because if they feel like they're okay without the Lord and they stay in that zone of feeling like they're okay without the Lord, they could leave the earth without the Lord and never make heaven. All because they felt okay without the Lord. Well, that's warfare. Feeling okay at times is warfare. Feeling satisfied at times, that's warfare. How many know no person on this planet should feel satisfied without receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior? No, no person on this planet should feel satisfied in that state. The enemy has a way of messing with people, if they let him, to feel okay about something that in God's mind is everything but okay. You know, we, we, tell, we say this a lot in this church, that a lot of people are not interested in the good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, rising from the dead so we could all be saved. A lot of people aren't interested in the good news because they do not know the bad news. And so sometimes you need to pray for a revelation of the bad news so they run to the Lord for the good news. And I know sometimes in Christianity we have to pray, Lord, help your people to see that if they're not filled with the Spirit, if they're not you know, praying in the Spirit, if they're not in their part in the church, if they're not moving on with you, if they're not, you know, fellowshipping with you on a daily basis, helping the see, they're not okay. Yeah. Not according to where they could and should be. Because sometimes, sometimes people respond to amazing, wonderful, glorious things. And wow, they go, man, that just changed my life. Here I go. Other people respond to very, very terrible happenings. I guess the scripture would call it deliverance unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh so their spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. That's like two extremes. Like just the extreme goodness of God is going to unstick some people and they're going to go, oh, I'll serve you forever. Other people, for some reason, it's not goodness. It's, it's goodness in another form and that is allowing something to happen to wake you up so you don't stay on a road that takes you away from God. And I think we decide which, you know, which it's going to be, but... Um, does that, that didn't freak anybody out, did it? All I'm doing is quoting scriptures. Okay. Um, okay. 
Do you realize that the devil transforms himself into an angel of light to deceive people into going directions that are against the will of God for their life? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, Satan has transformed himself as an angel of light. All right? You'll find that in 2 Corinthians. I believe it's chapter 11. It's in 2 Corinthians. And here's the interesting thing about it. Everything that's bright isn't right. There is a false light. Are you following me, church? Everything that's bright isn't right because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. What that simply means is we better go a little deeper than bright, feels right, looks right, sounds right, seems right. We better go a little deeper before we make major decisions about what we're going to do in life, who we're going to hook with, where we're going to go. The devil is going to make every wrong road feel right. Now, I'm not saying that God's road feels terrible. God's road feels good, too, at times. But you better go deeper than feelings. You better make sure that this is a biblical, spirit-led road before I invest half my life into it. Now, the Bible also says that Lucifer is the, was the most beautiful angel in heaven. You know, he's still beautiful. If you were to see him, I don't think his countenance changed since he fell. His attitude did, his purpose did, and it's, it's dragon-like, it's demonic, because when they talk about the dragon and the... the he's not, they're not talking about what the devil physically looks like. They're talking about his mode of operandi and his purpose and his desires and his, his, his focus is like a serpent, like a dragon, like a, you know, a beast. Mm -hmm. But to look at, beautiful. He got lifted up because of his beauty. I don't see anywhere in the scripture where his beauty changed. The physical appearance of the devil or the, the, the appearance. I don't see where that changed, but his heart changed. Mm -hmm. I don't see the devil anywhere growing horns in the Bible or fangs. I actually think if people saw the devil, he would look very handsome. Very handsome. And he uses this beauty to trick people. Everything that's beautiful is not something you want to be involved with. There is an inward thing going on in a lot of this stuff. I mean, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain, right? A woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And you know where it says the, in the book of Revelation, it says that, ser that serpent and that old dragon. I looked up the word dragon and it means a fascinating kind of serpent. Something that goes, wow, that's fascinating. Watch out about the fascinating. If it's not in line with scripture, the devil has been deceiving people for 6,000 years as long as we, far as we know, because he was already fallen in the Garden of Eden. He had fallen before Adam and Eve. So he's been deceiving and craftily trying to dupe people for 6,000 years. How many think he's pretty good at it? He's pretty good at making people feel like they're going a good way when they're not going a good way. Right. See, this is, I just, Christians need to get this in their spirit. Just because it feels right to do something doesn't mean it's right to do that thing. 
And we have to be very cautious about saying, oh, the Spirit of God is leading me to do this when really it's just you leading you to do it. It's just something you really like and really want and watch out about saying that's the Spirit of God. Right. I mean, this is why you have to know the Bible, because the only way we're going to discern between what's right and what feels right, God's light and the false light. The only way we're going to discern what's true is the scriptures. It's so interesting to see people at times do things that, you know, are out of line with scripture. You've got like five scriptures to say they shouldn't be doing that. They probably know those, but they say, well, the Spirit of God just lead me to do this. You just lead me to do this. It's like you want to say, what about the Bible? Because really, this is number one. Word first, Spirit second. If it's not in line with this book, I don't care how godly it feels, how beautiful it feels, how bright it is. If it's, at, if it's not in line with this, don't give your life to it. Please, don't... don't. The enemy, he's, he's really good at deception. And the only way you'll overcome him is if you know this book. The only way. You cannot intellectually fight against the devil. He will tie you up, spit you out faster than ever for one simple reason. He's been around a lot longer than you. The only way you will overcome his lies is if you know this book. What time is it? Oh, we've got to stop. Um... So here's the thing we want to do tonight in prayer. One of the things we want to do is we want to pray that the insides of God's people, including us, that God would do everything he can to help us to open up to everything he has for us in our insides. It's like, yes, we want a better country. Yes, we want a better economy. But friend, if all that's going to get better, something's got to happen in here first because we are the ones who the Lord works through. We are the ones where power comes from, right? Uh, Through, I should say. We're the ones that can release the power of God. And so this will change after something in here changes. Causes us to go to higher levels of using our authority. Higher levels of praying the prayer of faith. Higher levels of resisting the devil. Amen. I am. Um, we, we got some challenges around the corner in the area of ministering to people. I mean, there's there's people are, are pretty messed up today and I'm not sure it could get a little worse before it's all over. And Carl and I were even talking about and we're very cautious in this. We're not trying to be flamboyant or anything, but I think we're coming upon a time where churches are going to have to teach because pastors can't do it all. We're going to have to have some solid teaching probably not on a Sunday morning, about how to deal with demons and how to cast devils out of people that are possessed with them. Because I never, I didn't, well, I, I did not. When the internet hit the scene and all the stuff that's available to little children and all the crazy stuff that's going on and the, the inordinate affection and all the crazy things that are happening, people doing things with their bodies and all this stuff, I mean, it, it's inviting demon oppression and some, some places possession. And we're going to have to know as a church how to deal with this so we don't say, oh, we'll refer you to somebody else who doesn't know anything about spiritual things. We're going to have to learn how to take authority, get people set free, because there's a lot of people right now who they need outside help. They have accepted certain lifestyles. They are, they are sucked into them. They're, they're, they're hooked. They're, they're chained, if you will. And they're going to need some outside help. And that's where we come in, the church. But... Unless something happens on the inside of us and we come up to higher levels in God, 
I'm not sure we're going to be able to deal with these things properly. And every believer should be able to deal with these things because Mark 16 is for every believer, not just pastors. So let's, um, let's pray. Let's, let's start worshiping the Lord and then we'll pray as the Lord gives us utterance. But we really need to pray that God would deal with believers' hearts. The Bible says, rend your heart, not your garment. Heavenly Father, we're asking, well, actually, before we even ask for anything, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you we have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. We thank you we have power. We have answers because you are in us. Father, we thank you that there is a bright light in the earth and it's getting brighter and brighter and it's the light of God. We thank you, Lord, that your churches are getting brighter and brighter as the world gets darker and darker. Power is increasing in the church. We thank you, Lord, for the help of the angels. We thank you for your goodness and your glory and your strength. Lord, not only in us, but working through us. Oh, Father, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you as a church tonight for giving us utterance tonight to pray and to change the world we're living in. And we know change in the world happens as change in our hearts happens. And so, Father, we're asking tonight in the name of Jesus that you would deal with every heart that's in this room and watching online. We're asking you, Lord, to deal with every heart. Deal with us, Lord. Deal with us in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, help us on the inside. Grant us revelation in Jesus' name. Can you tell me, are we still online? Can you give me a red light if we're not online? Give me a green light if we're still online. There's a reason I'm asking. We are still online. Okay, stay online just for a second. Um, I know we've got some people joining us. We've got Kurt and Elizabeth joining us from uh, Utah. And so we want to stay online. Kurt had, had called me and texted me earlier today about praying for the Supreme Court decision on Friday concerning uh, forceful mandate of uh, vaccines for certain corporations that are over so many employees or not mandating uh, that, right? Am I correct on that? Did I say that right? So uh, we need to pray that the Supreme Court makes the right decision. We need to pray that anything that needs to come their way to influence them properly would come their way. We need to pray that any angelic help in this area that's needed would happen. We need to bind any forces that would try to mess with this decision and make it something other than the will of God. So, Father, as a church tonight and as those watching online, we say in the name of Jesus, move in behalf of this decision on Friday. Lord, we open the door through prayer and faith. We're asking you to come in with all your power and help this decision to go the way of righteousness, to go the godly route. Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus together as a church that you would bring influence the ways of all the judges from now until Friday. Bring influence their way that will help them and woo them to making the correct godly decision in this case coming up on Friday. 
Father, we agree on these things in the name of Jesus and we're asking that any angelic help that needs to be released would go forth and bring forth good things. Lord, we're believing and asking you that the right decisions be made on Friday concerning this issue. And now we thank you that you have heard our prayers. You've heard other people's prayers. And we declare it's happening in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. We bind evil influences from trying to hurt people and to do things to people and to work through people to cause this decision to go the wrong way. No, no, no. We say no in the name of Jesus, in the stead of Jesus. We pray in Christ's stead. We say no. No, 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 no to evil influence in this area. And now, Father, we thank you for helping them and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Well, we're calling that done. We can go ahead and sign off now from online because there's some things that happen in our prayer meetings we just didn't feel like should go online. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 